Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 325. Today is May 11th, 2021. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, I just want to do a quick episode. I've heard from a lot of people that are worried about this pullback that we're in right now. I'm going to address that. I'm going to do a little bit of a market update. And in a lot of ways, this is going to be a continuation of the previous episode. Because it seems like fear and paranoia never go away. And that's what's holding people back from participating in this bull market and in all the previous ones. I know it shouldn't surprise me because it's happened so many times over the last 13 years or so. But I continually run into people that are sitting in cash. They're afraid to get into the stock market. And when I ask them how long they've been out of the market, they'll say, Oh, going all the way back to 2008. They sold at the bottom. They panicked. They lost half of the retirement money in their 401k. And they've been so afraid of the market, they've never gotten back in. You would not believe the number of people that I run into where I hear that story over and over again. And so, yes, I'm going to spend a little more time today talking about why you shouldn't be so darn pessimistic. And hey, I can't predict the future. I don't know if the market's going to go down 5% tomorrow or if in three weeks it'll be down 30% from where it is right now. I have no way of knowing. But I do know this. The United States, despite all of its problems, it has a growing and a dynamic economy. And my optimism is not limited to the performance of the stock market. And if there's any young people listening out there, this message is really to you. It's about don't be pessimistic, not only in in your investments in the stock market, but in your investments in yourself and building your career and building a business as an entrepreneur. There has never, ever, ever been a better time in the history of humanity to be alive. And if you're fortunate enough to be living in the United States, then your opportunities are literally endless. I don't want to hear about all the problems that are going on. I've heard about problems all my life. And if you read history, there's been even bigger problems than have occurred prior to my life. Go back and listen to episode 315. That's where I talk about my grandfather and all the challenges and problems and bad things that he experienced in his life. He survived. He made it through. It made him a better man. He lived a happy and a full life despite all types of setbacks and hardships. You just don't know how good you have it. Ah, but I digress. Listen, let's talk about the stock market. And again, playing on the previous episode where I talked about people's pessimism and how it holds them back. After I recorded that episode, I heard from a listener. He told me that that episode is exactly what he needed to hear. He's been way too pessimistic and he keeps missing opportunities to get in the market. So about a month ago when I put that episode out, he hears it. He talks to me. He tells me it's just what he needed to hear. He realizes that he's been too pessimistic and he needs to take advantage of a pullback and get back into the market. And so the way things play out, I happened to be talking to this gentleman yesterday and I said to him, hey, the market's been pulling back. Did you buy in? And you know what his answer is. I knew what his answer was before I even asked him. Of course not. He didn't buy in. He didn't use this as an opportunity to get in the market. You know why? Because he's still pessimistic. He's still fearful. He ran down a laundry list of all the things that are keeping him out of the market. And I want to touch briefly on a couple of these things that he mentioned because I know many of you in the audience 
are fearful of these exact same things. Oh, and before I even go down that route, let me categorically say that no, I have not been selling in these recent days when we've had a pullback. As I've always promised to you, when I make changes to my model portfolio, meaning that if I buy or sell new positions, I post that over at investablewealth.com. It's under the commentary section. It's where I do my blog posts. And if you don't see me posting there, then that means that I either haven't bought anything, I haven't sold anything, or I don't think that there's enough going on in the marketplace that it warrants me making a comment. Now, I will add a caveat to that, and that's to say that if I'm simply adding to a core position, meaning something that I've already purchased, I'm not going to post that every time. And so just because a dip occurs and I don't post that I'm buying into it, that doesn't mean that I didn't. It just means that it's an existing position. And as I'm always telling you, unless I think we're headed into a recession, I'm going to buy the dips. And so when I have new available cash, I look at my existing positions and I decide which ones I want to allocate the new capital to. Occasionally when I have the time, I do post about that. But generally I don't because I just don't have the time. Okay, so back to my guy's pessimism. His number one fear, as you may imagine, is hyperinflation. Because that's all you hear, particularly if you pay attention to the gloom and doom side of the media. And so it should come as no surprise to you that I think that much of this talk about hyperinflation is nothing more than preying on people's fears. We are going to go through transitory inflation pressures. But that always happens as the economy heats up and we come out of some kind of a crisis. If you're properly invested in the stock market and in other appreciating assets, like owning your home real estate or owning your own business or being in a career with a good growth potential, then you're going to more than keep up with inflation. Yeah, sure, gasoline prices are high. They're higher than they were six months ago. But if you were listening to me six months ago, you'd have been buying oil stocks like ExxonMobil and Chevron, and you'd have made more than enough money to compensate for the few extra dollars you're going to pay at the pump. So if you're putting your money to work, you're not worried about inflation. And as far as hyperinflation, then things like gold and silver would be at all-time record highs. And gold right now, even though it's moved up recently, it's still less money now in nominal dollar terms than the price of gold was back in 2011. So yes, things like lumber, things like copper, Cement, iron ore, all the building products, they've gone up three and fourfold, and many of them are at record highs. But that's not because the dollar has lost value. It's because there's not enough supply of those products. That's why the inflation we're seeing now is transitory. It will work itself out. And so right now, with the crazy price in real estate, those prices haven't gone up because your dollar's worth less. Those prices are gone up because we have a housing shortage. Because for the last 12 or more years, we haven't built hardly any houses in this country. Even without COVID, we were going to need a whole lot more housing units than had been built because the millennials are starting to form households now. They're getting married. They're having children. They're moving out of their parents' basements and moving out of the cities. They want to get their own house in the suburbs or in a rural area where they can raise their kids. It's just demographic movement. And that's not going away overnight. So we will see, I believe, some prolonged price inflation in the housing market. But it's not hyperinflation because the dollar's devaluated. It's simply a matter of supply and demand. And again, if you're prepared, 
if you are investing in appreciating assets, then your assets are going up as much or more than the housing market because you currently own a house that should be going up in value. Or you should be invested in material and commodity companies in the stock market, which also have gone up in value. And so on a par basis, you're ahead of the game, not behind. That's where you would be if you weren't pessimistic, if you believed in the strength of a growing economy. This particular real estate market that we're in right now is also totally dissimilar to what we saw with the housing crash in 2008. Housing prices back then didn't collapse because the price got too high. Housing prices collapsed because credit dried up because for so long, so many people took on mortgages that they couldn't afford. These were people that should have never been given loans to begin with. And so the reason housing prices collapsed was because the banks and the government finally wised up and they stopped loaning money to broke people. That's not the case right now. It isn't that people can't afford houses or don't have money to buy houses or can't get credit to buy houses. It's that the price is going up on real estate because there just isn't enough supply to keep up with the demand of all the people that do have money and have mortgages to buy houses. So it's a totally different animal than it was during the last Great Recession. You know, there's shortages in everything right now. They can't make enough cars and trucks because we have a semiconductor shortage. And you can go down a long laundry list of all the things that are hard to get. It's just a matter of letting the supply and demand get back into balance. Remember, this economy has been shut down for over a year. And the more important debate in all this isn't whether or not prices are going to go up and stay up or whether they're affordable or not, but it's what are you doing about it? And if you were adequately invested in appreciating assets like being invested in the stock market, instead of being fearful that it's all going to come collapsing and falling down, then your savings would be earning a much higher return than the amount of inflation that you're going to get exposed to. So just because there are product shortages doesn't mean the stock market's going to come crashing down. It's, it's in fact just the opposite. These shortages are a boon for manufacturers. They don't hurt them. They help them. Even to the degree that these automotive companies are losing sales right now because they can't produce enough cars to keep up with the demand because they're taking people's money on back order and they're selling those vehicles without a discount. They're selling them at the manufactured suggested retail price. Whenever there's more demand than supply, that's good for the stock market. It's good for corporate profits. And I know what you're saying. You're saying the same thing that my friend was saying about, you know, the next thing he's worried about, he's worried about the inflationary effects of wages. I mean, look at these fast food companies. They, they can't even get people paying them 15 or $20 an hour. They can't find people to work. Well, again, that gravy train is not going to last forever whenever the government cuts back on unemployment benefits. So in that case, it is transitory. It's also something that's avoidable if you are worried about wage inflation, when you invest in the stock market, you don't have to go out and buy stocks willy-nilly. You can pick companies and industries that are already paying more than the minimum wage and invest in companies that have relatively stable wage costs. The argument can actually be made, particularly in industries like technology, where a lot of these big tech companies are now having people work from home. The argument can be made there that their wages are going to go down 
because they don't have to employ people just in the Bay Area in the Silicon Valley. They can have their programmers and their other people working remote from areas of the country that are much less expensive, and so consequently they can pay those people less money. So there's an argument where wages can actually be going down, not up. It all comes back to your perspective. Is the glass half empty or half full? Are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? And speaking of pessimism, the last big item that my buddy was worried about, and again, I hear from a lot of the listeners and a lot of people I talk to just in everyday conversation, but everybody seems to be worried about a war or some kind of military conflict. Something else you have to remember about military conflicts and geopolitics is the world is changing and the U.S. is getting less intertwined in military issues outside of our coasts. Now, they're not doing it fast enough or soon enough for me, but we are definitely delinking our direct involvement in a lot of countries' internal military affairs. I mean, right now, look at what's going on in Israel. The missiles and the rockets are going off all over Jerusalem, and the stock market has barely hiccuped over it. If something like that were happening 25 or 30 years ago, we would have had a major correction in the stock market on fears of war in the Middle East. That's not happening this time around. Because in a lot of ways, the United States has delinked their defensive interests from the Middle East. That's the same with NATO and many other places around the globe. So yes, I'm optimistic. And yes, I'm buying this dip. And if you look at the general market and the general indexes, they're actually holding up quite well. And I think what we are seeing with this pullback is more of a rotation than a correction. If you look at the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, you can see that overall they're doing quite well. They're just a few percent off of all-time record highs. And even with the turbulence that we've had lately, they're still considerably above their 50-day moving average. And they're really hovering right at a pretty good support level on their short-term exponential moving average. Now that's not true with the NASDAQ. It's dropped down more around the convergence of its 50 and its 100-day moving average, and it could go a lot further. But that's not because the world's falling apart. That's because a lot of these high-tech companies and other companies on the NASDAQ, which would be these ones that were favored by the stay-at-home trade, things like exercise bike companies and video conferencing companies, these are stocks that just got way ahead in their valuations. In many cases, things like Zoom or Peloton, they're just one-trick ponies that took on valuations that, even though they've come down, I don't know, in some cases, maybe 50% off their highs, they're still way too overvalued for what they create in sales and profits. So absolutely, those stocks are going to continue to probably tumble. But when it comes to big major tech, things like Apple and Microsoft and Facebook, you watch those companies, let them roll over, let them drop down somewhere below their 200-day moving average, and that'll be a great time to buy into those companies because overall they're good, solid companies. And they could go lower, but where are they going to be two, three years from now? They're going to be a lot higher, I believe. Pull up a chart of Apple and Amazon. Look at a historical perspective of how many times those stocks have been at or below their 200-day moving average. It doesn't happen very often, and whenever it does, it always turns out to be a long-term buying opportunity. So to the extent that big tech is pulling back, use that as an opportunity to get into the market, not to be pessimistic and to go to cash. And then to sum things up here, where I think the real action is in the reopening economy is in the small cap services companies and then in the mega cap materials and energy and finance companies. 
Now, a lot of the energy and the finance and the banking companies, they haven't really pulled back. They're still doing exceptionally well. But it's those smaller companies that are particularly in the service sector end of things are somehow companies that had been disfavored by the whole COVID hysteria. Those companies, like my COVID-90 portfolio, they peaked out in mid-March. And since then, they've been consolidating, but they've been behaving extremely well. And anytime they've pulled back, to drop down below, say, their 50-day moving average, or in the case right now of the Russell 2000 small cap index, it bounced today off its 100-day moving average and is just hovering a little bit below its 50-day moving average. To me, that shows great resilience, and it shows that these smaller, service-oriented type companies are not forming a negative head-and-shoulders pattern where they're getting ready to roll over. But instead, for these last seven or eight weeks, they're consolidating. They're forming a base around that 50, 100-day moving average. That's where they're putting in a floor. And as the economy continues to open up, you're going to see the stock prices on these companies escalate once again, and they're going to pick up right where they were from back in March. Now, again, I can't predict the future. I could be wrong. I'm telling you what I think, what my opinion is, and more importantly, where my money and what my positions are. I am fully invested in this market with all my money concentrated in these reopening stocks, whether it be the banking sector, the energy and oil sector, materials, manufacturers, and a lot of small service companies. In fact, just the other day, I put a video out of my YouTube channel and I ran through 12 medical stock companies that are primarily focused in either like the medical device or some type of product or service that's favored by elective medical procedures. So you think of all the people that haven't gone in to have some type of elective surgery done, like maybe a hip replacement, or people that have postponed some type of an elective cosmetic surgery, or, or even just the, the regular testing of you know people that are not going in for their annual medical checkups, and they don't know if they have a heart problem or they haven't had a colonoscopy lately. There's a huge pent-up demand for elective medical services. And so a few days ago on the YouTube channel, I put out a quick, I think it was like a three-minute video where I just rapid-fired, named off those 12 stocks. Watch that video. Think about companies that are going to be favored by this reopening trade. Now, a lot of them have already gone up 50 or 100% over these past five months but I haven't sold my positions because I think they can continue to break out and go on to new highs. These shortages, these inflationary pressures, this is just giving these companies pricing power and they're going to make top profits on their products and services. So no, I'm not pessimistic at all. I'm not worried about this market collapsing and any pullbacks, for now anyways, I view as a buying opportunity. Well, hey, as always, Thanks for listening. Until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.